Good morning and happy Friday to you. Happy almost weekend. You're just about there. It's the college football morning announcements with Nick Shepkowski getting you ready for this weekend, the first full weekend here in May. As we start off on recapping things that happened yesterday, Thursday, on what I think is one of the dumbest sports days of the year. More on that in just a second. Here's what's to come on this episode, though. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, always a coach that when he speaks, he's a lightning rod. People love him. People hate him. He had some very strong comments on Thursday that he released to the college football community. We'll go over what Jim Harbaugh had to say. The state of Oregon puts down a big-time rule that because of what COVID-19 and coronavirus have done, puts one of the biggest games of the college football season at least viewing it in traditional fashion puts that in severe jeopardy in week two. And also, for Notre Dame fans out there, a significant recruit joins the 2021 recruiting class as he commits today. More on him in a little bit. And 24-7 Sports released their top 25 coaches that I want to go over with you as well. NFL schedule day was Thursday night, and I just think that it's one of those that I don't get the excitement around it. I don't get the oh my God, that is, I can't wait for, it's, what do you learn? You learn when teams are playing on primetime and you learn what order of games are being played. You already know the teams that are being played the second the regular season ends in the NFL. You know every home game, you know every home opponent and road opponent for your favorite NFL team. I've never understood the uh, fascination with schedule day when that comes out, but so be it. We move on. We press on. Jim Harbaugh, the most interesting thing said on Thursday afternoon, Michigan head coach, uh, went as far as saying in a letter that he addressed to the college football community, went over a lot of things. We'll go over the headlines with you and share thoughts on them. He wants NFL draft rule changes, and I don't disagree with what Jim Harbaugh has to say on a little bit of this. He says that players... NCAA-wise, should be allowed to enter the NFL draft whenever. So you have a phenomenal freshman year like, say, Trevor Lawrence did in 2018, and you think that following that you might be a first overall or top five or top ten NFL draft pick. Why should you have to go play two more years in college football and play for free if you're good enough to play in the NFL potentially already or if more so than that, Maybe you're not good enough to play. Maybe you're only good enough to sit on a bench for a year or two and learn, or three for that matter. If you're able to go get a significant paycheck to do so, why shouldn't you be allowed to? I that's I agree with Jim Harbaugh full-heartedly on that one. He also says that if players leave school early, he would like them to be able to return to school and still have eligibility remaining. Now, I don't know... I think you start to get into a pretty gray area there because then you're going to have people that maybe you fall to the sixth or seventh round. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was going to be this. I thought I was going to be that. And it's not far enough to return to school. I think that leaves some gray area that I don't necessarily agree with with Harbaugh. But I, I agree with a lot of what he had to say in this letter. Also says that he wants to get clarity on the red shirt or have a new rule that would bring clarity to the red shirt and say that players should have five years of eligibility instead of the four years and maybe a couple bonus games here or there as it's currently constructed. 
And I don't go all the way with that one either. I mean, you're in college for traditionally four years, your freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior years. I think the red shirt's a generous way of doing that and, and taking care of that. And I don't think it's too complex of a rule. All right, you play in more than a third of the games that your team participates in in a given season, then you lose a year of eligibility. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that one nearly as much as Harbaugh seems to. But again, I Jim Harbaugh willing to step out, willing to say something, and I might not like him as a head coach. I might not root for Jim Harbaugh as a head coach, or how annoying I think that he can get sometimes at Michigan, but. I think hats off to him, has a lot of good things to say, at least in terms of the way the NFL draft is currently constructed. Moving on from that, uh, still have the state of Oregon to get to and something their governor said today that we'll share with you in here in just a minute. Uh, 24-7 Sports released their top 25 college football coaches, and you can probably guess the ones towards the front of the line. Nick Saban won. Dabo, number two at Clemson. Ed Orgeron, three. Kirby Smart, fourth at Georgia. And Lincoln Riley rounds out the top five. And can't argue Saban. I mean, Saban, you can make the case, and plenty will, that he's the greatest football coach in college football history. Dabo, what he has done at Clemson is go from a team that was, I don't want to say laughingstock, laughingstock strong, but Clemsoning, Clemsoning used to be something. Clemsoning used to mean that almost the way you kind of see like Mizzouing or any of those teams that choke and are choke artists, that's what Clemsoning used to be. And now Clemson is won a couple of national championships here recently. They're going to be number one in the country at the start of the 2020 college football season, and they've got just about as much talent as anyone in the country. You can't argue with what he's done. I think when you get to three is when you can really open up this up all for conversation, uh, discussion. Ed Orgeron obviously wins a national championship, so compared to the guys around him, he has that. They don't. Kirby Smart doesn't have a national championship. Lincoln Riley right behind him at five doesn't have one. James Franklin, Ryan Day, uh, Dan Mullen, they don't have them. Jimbo Fisher does at number nine. He's also at a different program than where he was when he won his title at Florida State. He's at Texas A&M now. And Notre Dame fans, Brian Kelly rounds out the top 10 right there. And part of what's cited for Kelly being in the top 10 is, all right, hasn't won a national championship, hasn't so much gotten to the final since 2012 when he led a 12-0 Notre Dame team to a, to a title game appearance where they got obliterated by Alabama. But he's given close. And his record since... 2017 since the start of 2017 has to turn the tide of that program and they seem like they're knocking on the door of something special there for the foreseeable future i thought that those you can really uh, maybe jimbo fisher deserves a little bit more credit uh, he's brought a ton of talent to texas a&m now can they win and win big at texas a&m that's kind of been the story for the history of texas a&m playing football for the most part um ryan day I know he's only had one year, so the sample size isn't a ton. I think Ryan Day is one that you look at a year or two from now, and he's knocking on the door of uh, of that third spot as high as there. I think that Ohio State, what they've done recruiting-wise and the talent they bring that back, they're going to be knocking on the door of a national championship this year, and the talent just keeps reloading there. And Day seems to be a guy that knows how to develop that, at least early on in his career. 
Uh, and then you kind of get into the 10 through really the rest of this. A lot of guys that have held positions, some of them for a very long time and won a lot of games, maybe not ultimately a national championship or a college football playoff game. But Paul Christ, what he does annually at Wisconsin, checks in at 11. Tough for me to have much of a problem with that. Wisconsin's a regular in the Big Ten championship game, and uh, they deserve a ton of credit, obviously, Paul Christ overseeing that program there. Mario Cristobal at Oregon comes in at 12. Maybe a little bit strong for me. Um, It seems like there's always a lot of hype around Oregon, and winning that big game for them has been has been a problem here of late at least it's okay you get to that big moment and maybe last year it's you're knocking on the door and knocking off Auburn week one in Dallas and they find a way to lose that game they shoot themselves in the foot time and time again with a first round quarterback and one of the best offensive lines in college football that they were playing behind so I Chris the ball might be a little bit high for me but obviously recruits about as well as anyone in the Pac-12. I shouldn't say almost as well. He has, if you look at his track record. Gus Malzahn at Auburn ranks 13 on this list. That's really when you start to get into the uh, fan bases that wonder how long their coach is going to be in a position. Malzahn's there. Then it's Mike Gundy, 14th, and Mark Stoops at Kentucky, 15. Then I'll just give you the kind of 16 through 25. Not a ton to say here. Um, P.J. Fleck checks in 16. Uh, Satterfield down at Louisville, one year in, gets the 17th mark. A guy that you're probably wondering, well, where is he? Where is he? He's uh, he's as popular a college football coach as there is, and we talked about him here the first part of this show. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, 18th, and then you get Kirk Ferentz, Brian Shaw, running at your top 20, and then it's Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. We talked about him a lot yesterday. Pat Fitzgerald, old reliable at Northwestern. Uh, Gary Patterson, 23rd then at TCU. Uh, Whittingham over at Utah, 24th. Might feel a little bit low if you don't pay much attention to that Utah program. And one of the best quotes in college football, at least Mike Leach rounds out your top 25. Maybe I'll dive into one of these on my own. I didn't think long and hard about it of exactly where everyone would go in this. Kind of just thought more so of the, all right, there's tiers between these guys, tiers between these guys, and I'm not seeing really any spots on here that I disagree at least passionately about where the tiers are separated in that 24-7 sports ranking. Um, The state of Oregon, the governor of the state of Oregon today, want to move to that very quickly. No September events with large crowds allowed. That goes for college football. That goes for Portland Trailblazers basketball. That goes for concerts. That goes for any mass gathering. No exact number given on what qualifies as that large crowd in the state of Oregon, but did go as far as saying that football games will be played with without large crowds. Now, what's a large crowd? Autzen Stadium, where the Oregon Ducks play, holds, what, 50, 55,000 people? Is it... That's obviously large if it's a sellout. So what's what constitutes not a large crowd? Half the capacity of that stadium? If it's 27,500 people, is that okay? If it's instead of every seat being filled, it's every other seat being filled? Or does it have to be a third of the uh, capacity of the crowd? There's not a ton of clarity there. But what's interesting is maybe your best game or most anticipated non-conference game of the year. There's a, there's a short list of this, at least, and it's on it. Ohio State travels to Oregon week two of the college football season. And, I mean, if you look at Oregon, 
it's as big a non-conference game as they're probably ever had at Austin Stadium. And you get Ohio State, you get a marquee program coming cross-country in a out-of-conference game. It's huge. I know they had Oklahoma a few years back, Michigan State here a few years back. They've had series with a few others as well. Sorry, uh, Oregon and whatever fan base I'm forgetting off the top of my head here. Not to say Oregon doesn't play anyone, but it's rare when you get an Ohio State to come a-calling. And that's what you have in Week 2. And based off of the governor's comments there, very likely it seems that if this game's played on time and it's not canceled or postponed, that Oregon and Ohio State has a chance to be played in front of an empty stadium. And I kind of wrote this on fightingirishwire.usatoday.com, and my takeaway from this is, all right, I'd rather have football than than no football. So I'll take the no crowd over waiting and waiting and waiting and wondering when there might be a crowd. But it gives me that eerie and ugly and kind of bad feeling that Oregon's just the first state that happens to announce this. And Oregon State and Portland State also affected by it. I feel like they're just the first one, and you're going to get more. I know that the mayor in Los Angeles said no major sporting events in 2020. Well, that eliminates UCLA and USC from hosting big-time games, doesn't it, theoretically? So Oregon has that rule put down by their governor through the end of September. If it goes on any length of time, the first weekend in October, Oregon's slated to play Washington at home. So there's some of their biggest games, their biggest contests, home contests of the year that appear that would not be played with audiences or very small audiences at that. Uh, Notre Dame fans, I know that uh, since I write for Fighting Irish Wire, uh, part of the USA Today Team Wire sites, fightingirishwire.usatoday.com, where you can find that each and every day for your Notre Dame needs. Uh, they get a commitment today, 10th of the... 2021 recruiting class. It's defensive end, 6'5", 245-pounder Jason Onye. And Onye chose Notre Dame. Michigan was on his list. Penn State, Arizona, Duke, Kentucky. Three-star recruit. What you need to know about him, obviously his size sticks out, 6'5", 245. From Warwick, Warwick, Rhode Island, Bishop Hendricken is the school that he goes to, and he's the number one player in Rhode Island. Rhode Island, not exactly a state that I think you look at and you know it for its football powerhouses and this turning out football talent year in and year out. But for a little bit further on that, some details off of his 24-7 rankings. He's ranked as the 29th best defensive end in this 2021 class. Number one player in the state of Rhode Island, like I had just said. And he's a very close to a four-star player. What does that mean? Oh, how close is he? How close is he? What? Who decides that? Well, based off of what 24-7 sports does is that they give you grades, they come up with an ultimate number, and based off of whatever that ultimate number is, it determines what star rating you get. And Onye is an 89. Had he graded out literally one point higher to a 90, he'd be a four-star recruit. So it's like a three and four-fifth star recruit is what you're looking at. No, it's Notre Dame adds to their list. They add their 10th commitment here. Uh, Another defensive lineman, third defensive lineman in this class. And it's one that Penn State and Michigan are considering him, offered him. 
it's not a guy that had the deepest of lists in terms of top-tier uh, college football programs, but it helps add depth to a def- defensive line where Notre Dame has had success here recruiting and developing in recent years. So he becomes a 10th commit, third from the defensive line in that 2021 class, and right away with his commitment, Notre Dame moved up from 11th to 8th in the national rankings on 24-7 sports. Obviously, one commitment, one decommitment, and that gets swayed a ton, but moving in the right direction. The Will Shipley news wasn't what Notre Dame wanted at the start of the week or the middle of the week, but since then they've gotten two commits from two pretty good players as well. That's going to do it for this edition of College Football's Morning Announcements with Nick Shepkowski. As always, Feel free to share this with a friend that uh, college football loving friend that might be missing sports and missing college football right now. We try and do this each and every weekday and share it with you. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Share a rating for us there as well. And hey, share us with your buddies. We appreciate every uh, every time we see somebody either retweet or send a link to the tweet out or send a link to the podcast out. Very very much. Coming up next week, we're gonna get some interviews in in for you and. Remember what I told you last episode. Start thinking of your 10 favorite college football players or your 10 best college football players that you've watched in your lifetime because we're going to have an extensive look at that coming up next week. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Have a great weekend. It's Nick Shepkowski's College Football Morning Announcements. Have a great weekend. Stay safe.